0: What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Minnesota Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Neuer, recording this on Wednesday night, March 30th. Currently, since I'm still in Florida, I am enjoying a frost proof from Cigar City Brewing. Now, let's talk some Minnesota sports. All right, let's start out with some of the Timberwolves segments here. Let's talk play-in scenarios. Tickets just went live. I did not get any tickets. I know. I was at the beach. But I'm hoping to get some playoff tickets because I am expecting them to still win. So let's talk to some play-in scenarios here. So the Utah Jazz do have the potential of falling to seven. They have a tough schedule. They are losing. I think they've lost the last like five, six of their last games. Minnesota does not have the tiebreaker on them since the Jazz have beaten them uh, the last couple matchups. I think they won the last – the Wolves won the last one, I thought, but I can double-check that. Uh, so the Utah Jazz's final schedule remaining will be the Los Angeles Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Phoenix Suns, and the Portland Trailblazers. I see them realistically going 3-3. Three and three. I think they can beat the Lakers. I think they lose to the, the Warriors, the Grizzlies. I think they beat the Thunder, but then lose to the Suns, and then end the season on a high note, beating the Trailblazers. Then you have the Denver Nuggets, whose remaining schedule is Indiana Pacers, your Minnesota Timberwolves, the Los Angeles Lakers, the San Antonio Spurs, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Los Angeles Lakers. And for them, I do see them going five and one. They're hot. They keep winning games, even though Minnesota is winning as well. Uh, I think their only loss in that schedule there is the Grizzlies. I think they beat the Pacers, the Wolves, the Lakers, the Spurs, and the Lakers. They're just too good. Jokic is playing at an MVP level. If I had to vote, I think Jokic would be my MVP. And then for the Wolves, your final schedule will be the Raptors tonight, the, the Nuggets, the Rockets, the Wizards the Spurs, and the Bulls. I see I see them going 3-3. Three and three. Uh, I have them beating the Raptors, losing to the Nuggets, beating the Rockets, beating the Wizards, and losing the final two games. Uh, I think the Spurs need that win there. They're kind of fighting in that play-in, sp- that, that play-in spot. They are in the 10th seed. The Lakers just fell out, so I kind of think Greg Popovich and the Spurs will be looking for... That final push there. Uh currently though, the wolves are they're down by six, it looks like third quarter. I know I'm recording, but I'm on vacation, so I gotta find time. Uh the Nuggets are currently beating the Pacers by two, and the Jazz are not playing tonight. So if things hold up on my predictions, the Nuggets would go 50 and 32. The Jazz would go 48 and 34, and the Wolves would be 46 and 36. So that would mean that the Wolves most likely do end up in the seventh seed. I thought for a while there they had a chance at maybe grabbing that sixth seed. But with the Nuggets continuing to win, Minnesota just fell back by two games. It's kind of unrealistic to think that over the next six games with this kind of schedule that the Wolves will be passing. Honestly, the more realistic scenario is that the Jazz do end up continuing to lose games, but like I said, I don't see the the Jazz losing more than three games. But the bigger news for the play-in scenario, PG13 returned last night. You know, his first game back, he finished with 34 points and helped the Clippers erase a 25-point deficit to beat the Utah Jazz. This season, the Wolves are one and three against the Clippers. On those first two games, D'Lo was not playing. They won the final game, but PG-13 wasn't playing. But also, Cat and D'Lo were not playing in that last game. So, realistically, I don't see them beating the Clippers in that playing game. For some reason, that Paul George goes absolutely berserk, just kills them. Minnesota stands no chance against PG-13. Ty Lue's also one of the better coaches in the NBA. He just, he just figures it out. He's the first one that started the whole play cat with a smaller big. So in that sense, I don't see them winning that kind of game. The Clippers are probably going to start rolling again. I think they're the biggest X factor entering the playoffs, though. But should we be concerned with the health of this team? Malik Beasley, you have Jaden McDaniels, and Anthony Edwards. Chris Hine of the Star Tribune said that Malik Beasley was nowhere close to returning on March 29th, obviously per Chris Finch's words. On March 30th, though, Damo reported that he's day-to-day saying that Chris Finch said that he's hoping he could play on this road trip. That's only 24 hours apart, and yet there's such a drastic change in the whole injury report type of update. I I mean, realistically, he could be playing, I guess, but I don't really see it happening for a while. I kind of think that the Bulls will play it safe. I think they kind of know that the 7th seed is their kind of final spot there. I think they want to end the season on a high note, kind of get there, get the 7th seed, get home court advantage, sold-out crowd. I think it could be electric. I like their chances, even though the Clippers are a tough team. I know I said I don't think they're gonna beat them, but I do think that they at least win the second game. If not, they can't beat that first one. Uh, but then you're looking at a Suns matchup and who do not want that. Uh Jaden McDaniels though, cleared for basketball activities. Doesn't mean he's gonna be playing next doesn't mean he's gonna be playing tomorrow, doesn't mean he's gonna play in a week or but he could be playing maybe in the playoffs. Maybe at the end of the season, last game or two. Uh, all we know is for now that he is clear for activities. He's going to be reevaluated in another week. So, look for him to be potentially coming back in maybe the final stretch there, playoff time. If I was the Wolves, I probably wouldn't be playing him until the end of the seat, like playoff time. Don't want to really run to rush. We don't want to rush him, especially because he is so young. Ankle injuries. He could easily re. He could easily re start that at restart re oh, whatever let's just move on you know what i'm trying to say anthony edwards should we be concerned about him though he was playing pretty poorly in that stretch of february so january is kind of where he was healthy averaging 23 and a half points 46.6 field goal percentage 37.6 percent from three and 83.9 percent from the free throw line February is start is where he starts to get kind of injured, kind of starts hinting at maybe some problems there. That month he averages 16.5 points, shoots 37.8% from the field, 253 from three, and 66.1% from the free-throw line. That's a drastic difference in both points and shooting efficiency. Uh, he had that little rest there in between there, in that between that February, March-ish time zone. And I think it did help. He is averaging 18.7 points this month. Uh, also shooting 44.6% from the field, 42.1 from three, and 88.5 from the free throw line. I don't think he's 100%. You can kind of see it. He's not dunking. He's not finishing like he used to. But I do feel a little bit better about him going into the playoffs. D'Lo is struggling, though. So before, so for a while there, uh, we could have just relied on Cat and D'Lo, but I don't know. Delo does not look like himself. He needs to get himself going. If the Wolves want any shot at at least like making any noise in the playoffs, Delo's gonna have to step up. Because I don't know what Ann's doing. You know, I would if I mean they, it does look though that they're getting that seven seed. So I would maybe think about giving them some rest. Maybe like play them every other game. Just something that gives you a better chance at the playoffs, especially knowing that you're two games behind Denver. Utah's still up there. It's not looking as good. So 7th seed is realistic expectations at this point. So let's get everyone healthy. I'm not worried about Ant as much because he is starting to kind of show signs of improvement. Jay McDaniels is cleared, and Malik Beasley looks like he's day-to-day. All right, let's talk about your Minnesota Twins. They signed a starting pitcher. It's not the Sean Mania. It's not Frankie Montas, but Chris Archer is a veteran pitcher. If that's the only addition to the starting rotation for the first month or two, I'll be a little disappointed. You know, Chris Archer is not that same all-star pitcher we were used to seeing a couple years back. Um, you know, I think he slots in around that fourth or fifth spot. Dylan Bundy has looked really good so far in spring training. I would think the starting rotation would look Sonny Gray. Uh, then you got Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, and then Dylan Buddy, and then Chris Archer. Uh his twenty twenty-one was a wash. So don't look too much into his six games. Archer only went one and one with a ERA of with an Era of four point six six and nineteen point one innings. He also didn't even pitch in the twenty twenty one in the twenty twenty season because he had surgery to relieve thoracic outlet syndrome don't know how to pronounce that but to put it into simpler terms it just means that he had blood vessels or nerves that were compressing into his collarbone and first rib uh, baseball reference only has chris archer to get to go three and four this season with a 4.57 era that's only through 67 innings i think but i don't really think that's likely i think After having a pretty down, not playing in 2020, kind of injured 2021 season, I think he'll be back healthy-ish, maybe I think 100 to 150 innings is realistic. I don't think that 67, that kind of just seems like a multiplier number there for them. So I would expect him to do a little better, even when he was pitching for the Pittsburgh Pirates and then that Tampa Bay Rays there, uh, he looked decent, not good, not bad, but you know, a good low risk, high reward type of player knows how to play, spend there. Well, we're not gonna pour you into the whole deep statistics about each different player. But that brings us into the next point. Is the starting rotation good? You have Gray, Ober, Ryan, Bundy, and Archer. No, no, the, the starting rotation is not good. It's fine, but it's not good. If you want you sign Carlos Graya, you're going for a World Series. You're not trying to go for that wild card spot. So they still need to make a trade. Sham and Frankie Montes, like I alluded to earlier, I think those are two players they do need to go to. But, hey, the A's know that Minnesota needs to make a trade. They're not signing Carlos Correa for just a fun season to sell tickets. So the, You know, the, the trade value right there, their trade value just went up. Minnesota's going to have to pay a lot more. I mean – Trevor Larnick, maybe? Maybe you have also a couple other uh, prospects that you could send. Maybe Austin Martin, if you feel really good about Royce Lewis. It still gets a little tricky, though. I don't know if I'd want to spend all that money, but you just paid for Carlos Correa. I think if you think you can maybe keep him down the line, you might as well trade for a guy like Shamanai or Frankie Montas. But what about the Marlins? They have a lot of pitchers, both in their system and the starting rotation. Could Sandy Alcantara spark something there? I don't know. But we haven't really seen anything about the Miami Marlins wanting to trade anyone. They've been pretty low-key about everything. But I do like some of their pitchers there. So I keep an eye on mostly the athletics. That's where all the scene has been so far this offseason. Uh, then obviously the Marlins, I think there is something there. But we'll know more. Uh, The Athletic just posted an article the other day uh, saying that there is unlikely to be a move from the Twins before opening day. So I'm hoping by the trade deadline, if Minnesota's wheeling, I think they should be. They have a good offense. But how about Johan Duran? So far this spring, five innings pitched, one hit, zero runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. The plan so far, apparently, to Rocco is to have him come out of the bullpen. He's been a starter through the minors. I would love to see him be one of the starters either this season or next. But I can definitely see him being one of those high leverage, maybe closers, maybe late inning kind of guy. He throws 100 miles per hour plus. Um in the minors, he went 23 and 29, 3.99 ERA, 390 innings pitched. So, I mean, you can think Taylor Rogers to close it. You wander around to set him up. Tyler Duffy, maybe he has a better season. He finished pretty well. That's a pretty nice, nasty bullpen. That bullpen was, that, that bullpen did turn things around by the end of the season. So, you think about maybe the offense fixes things. You got the bullpen. Starting pitching, maybe you get Shamanai or Frankie Montas and you got a pretty complete team there. I think if you can get if you can swing for one of those starting pitchers, I think the expectation should be World Series. It shouldn't be anything less. You sign Carlos Correa. You're not signing Carlos Correa to make a lock card. Like I said, it's World Series or bust. All right, lastly let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, this for this segment, I'm not gonna be going over some of the free agent uh re-signs, but we're just gonna be looking at the additions. So now that the defense is going to a 3-4, I like what they're doing. Uh, I don't really think the 4-3 is working. Zimmer's defense, God, I can't. I'm so glad he's done. Mike Zimmer, he just doesn't – he never adjusted. So the problem was things couldn't be working at half, and he'd be like, all right, guys, still go out there and do the same freaking thing. So defense will be moving to the 3-4, which means more edge rushers, more – attacking of the quarterback. So what they did, they signed Jordan Hicks. They signed Zadarius Smith. Uh, last season, Jordan Hicks finished with four sacks, 75 tackles, finished with a PFF grade of 64.4, a run grade of 63.2, and a pass grade of 76.2. Uh, for Zadarius Smith, though, I wouldn't really look into his grades or any of his statistics from 2021. He basically missed the whole season. He played all of one game. But... What, it, what this tells me, though, because they're going to a 3-4, they're looking at guys who can get to the quarterback. If you look at it, Jordan Hicks has a run grade of 63.2, but his pass was 76.2, which means that Jordan Hicks and Zadarius Smith, we all know he gets to the quarterback. They're going to be looking to get guys going. Daniil Hunter is healthy. You got Hicks, Smith, and Hunter going all at the quarterback. Should be fun. Plus, they added Harrison uh, Harrison Phillips. Uh, he finished with a PFF grade of a. He was a top six interior run defender. Minnesota was the twenty sixth worst rushing defense. They gave one hundred thirty seven point seven yards on defense each game. Uh, his PFF grade ended up being seventy seven point four. His run was seventy nine point eight, and he finished with a pass of sixty point three. So you got the guys on the edge of Smith Hunter and Hicks, then he got Phillips clogging up the lanes, stopping the run, so they're covering all bases there. Uh, the only guys that were actually in front of them on that list was Cameron Hayward, Aaron Donald, who's the best freaking defender in all of football, and he got Christian Wilkins, Al Woods, and Zach Sealer. They did make an addition, Chandler Sullivan. Uh, I'm not going to get to Patrick Peterson here, but he did re-sign. Didn't think he was because he did mention On his podcast that he was going to be signing with a new team. Turns out just, it was just the Vikings, but that should be good. You got Sullivan on the, you got Sullivan, you got Patrick Peterson. Maybe they can draft a cornerback there. Then you got pretty good secondary going. That was the biggest weakness. Probably. I mean, I think the offensive line still needs work, but you got the cornerback situation. there a little bit better. Sullivan did get three interceptions last year. 55 PFF grade, 34.4 on the run, pretty bad. Uh, The main thing to look at is his pass coverage grade, 57.8. Not the best signing, but you know there is some there is some life there. Uh, Nate Harrison though uh, looks more like a depth addition. Probably is going to be a practice squad. Uh, I like the potential, and for 148 snaps, he did have a coverage grade of 76, so I like that they're adding him, doesn't hurt anything, he's a low-risk, high-reward type of player, was previously with the Colts, I still like that option, Uh, the offense still needs some work, they haven't done a lot of great additions on the offensive line, you got Jesse Davis, PFF grade 52.5, 51.1 in the pass, and 51.4 in the run. Uh, He is better as a guard than a tackle, which is good because Minnesota's guard play was pretty bad. Um, He did give up eight sacks as a tackle, but his best seasons in his career so far have been coming from a guard position. Um, In my ideal world, he would be a depth addition. I don't think that you can add him and be like, okay, we're good to go. But uh, he has been a starter his whole career, basically, for the Dolphins. So look for him to be the opening day starter there. Then you got Austin Schlotman, however the hell you pronounce that name. Uh, PFF grade 44.3, 26.3 in the pass and 49.3 in the run. Not a good player, but nice practice squad addition, depth, injuries happen. So if that ever comes to fruition there, he can step in i guess but not feeling too great about him there lastly let's talk about johnny munt minnesota loves using two tight ends and with tyler conklin gone it was even more important that they signed him munt is a great run and pass blocking tight end and earth smith jr will be back and healthy both players should complement each other well though it is important to note that earth smith jr will miss training camp he should be good to go by week one now let's talk about some of the upcoming draft plans I know the draft will be in a month or so, so in the next week or two, I'll be covering some draft targets the Vikings should hit on with the 12th overall pick. I will not be covering the Minnesota Wild this week. Sorry to all you hockey fans out there. I'm a basketball fan at heart, and I've been pushing most of my focus towards the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'll be diving into the Wild season and previewing the playoffs in the coming weeks. I appreciate all of you who have listened to my intro podcast and given me some feedback. This is a work in progress and I'm still getting my feet under me. But anyways, that wraps up our first episode. Thank you for listening. And as always, cheers.